Welcome to the EFM Morning Brief Podcast. It's day four. Happy Sunday morning. Uh, Weekends are always busy times at the EFM. No rest on the weekend. I hope you're ready for a busy day at EFM. I'm your host, Wendy Mitchell. Uh, As you know, every day we talk to a different journalist, and we've got one of the best. It is Scott Roxborough, European Bureau Chief at The Hollywood Reporter. Scott always has his finger on the pulse. So, Scott, thanks for joining us. Um, What do you think the mood's been like so far? Yeah, hi, hi, Wendy. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's quite good actually. Uh, it's it's quite surprising because well, not maybe not surprising, but the last couple of markets have been really um, uh, yeah, really dreadful. I mean, we had just after people came out of Corona, we had the um, the dual strikes, and that sort of shut everything down. Um, so Cannes was incredibly slow. Uh, Toronto was pretty much dead. Um, um, AFN was really in a holding pattern as everyone waited for the strikes to finish. The strikes are over now, and there's a big question of what will happen. You know, how will the market respond? Uh, And it seems to be responding really, really well. We had quite an active Sundance, and here in Berlin, which is a sort of big pre-sale market, so all the big packages that come out that are being shopped around to international buyers are here, and there's just a heck of a lot out there. There's just an incredible number of really sort of big, high-end, $20 million-plus star-driven packages out there of a like I really haven't seen for a long, long time in Berlin, and people are really excited about that. Yeah, I don't, in the past 10 years, I don't remember this many packages being announced like this, so it's quite exciting. But what about films that people can, that are finished, that people can buy now? I mean, what are we seeing on that on that side? Yeah, that is a little bit less, but that's only really because when it comes to Finnish films, Berlin, people tend to want to have to show their film at the festival to have it it sort of the platform there. And so we've seen a couple of those films, the opening night film, small things like these with uh, Killian Murphy, that's still for sale in a lot of places, including the US. So that was a big sort of platform for that. Treasure, which was just shown with Lena Dunham and Stephen Fry, that's also being sold. So there's a few of those, but people who bring Finnish films here, they tend to want to have the festival to show them at. And given what the festival's tastes are, especially under this um, uh, festival director, that ten- he tends to favor more extreme art house movies or more properly art house movies, depending on how you want to categorize it. And those aren't as attractive for, for buyers. So uh, you're not having that many sort of finished projects that people are really excited about, except for maybe the couple that I mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see. Also, there's, you know, obviously a few more things to be playing and yeah, there's maybe a few more celebrity, not celebrity driven. There's a few names in competition. So we'll see how so some standard art house fare. But like you said, yeah, there the Carlos uh, and his team's taste is known as being, you know, quite art house. You're right. So some of those aren't the big starry, huge budget number deals that we expect. But there could be a good mix of some of those big packages, like you said, and some solid art house deals. Let's hope we get both because the industry needs both ends of those spectrum. Scott, you published a story yesterday that I was really interested in, um, in THR, and it was about the sort of shifting way the streamers are working. And it's not just about are the streamers buying less or more, it's about how do the streamers impacting that sort of pay one window, and that's impacting other deals. And I realized you could do a whole one hour podcast just about that article and that trend. But can you tell us a little bit about how that might be impacting deals. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of a, a sort of in the weeds type of thing. That was what the piece was too, and uh, so it's a little bit technical. But on a very, very basic level, the old model for independent film was basically you make your money in home entertainment. You um, you almost always lose money in the theaters because it's very, very difficult to make money alone at the box office for independent movies, and so you make it up by selling to what used to always be called windows, a window for DVD, a window for pay TV, the pay one window, um, a window for free television. Um, and in those windows, that's where your money really comes in. And that's always been the foundation for financing for independent films. That's always been where people have made their money. With the streaming revolution, what's happened is those windows have kind of collapsed so that it's almost all streaming, uh, more or less. Uh, they're heavily dependent, uh, independents are heavily dependent on uh, on the streamers uh, to make their revenue back. And the whole structure of, of streaming um, makes it much more difficult uh, to recoup. The sort of development was sort of papered over initially because the streamers, particularly Netflix, bought a lot of independent films. We saw this during the pandemic. They just went crazy and bought everything to stack their shelves. That's been quite reduced. So there is that element. They're buying less. But what I find also really interesting is that the streamers want different types of movies than the independent theaters do. So if you look at what's working now in the independent theater space, you've got all these great, interesting art house movies like Anatomy of a Fall uh, from uh, Justin Trier, Justin Trier or, or Windender's um, Perfect Days, which are doing really great theatrical numbers. Those films are often really difficult to make work for a streamer because streamers are driven by algorithms and they want genre films. They want films they can quite easily package and pitch. So they want your Jason Statham action movie or your Gerald Butler's or your true crime thriller that fits nicely into a thing they can easily pitch to their, their subscribers and their algorithms. And there's a sort of a divide happening now between um, what independent theatrical distributors want and what the streamers want. And for a producer, an independent producer, you need to actually get both. You need to be able to put a film into theaters so it can get attention and drive interest in it. But you definitely need the streamers because without them, you do not have much revenue. And that divide, I think, is going to be a very – trying to bridge that divide will be sort of a key thing in really an independent industry in, in, the, in the next few years. And if that can't be solved, we're going to have a lot of disruption <laughs> in this business. Um, like you said, it maybe seems a little bit inside baseball, but I think that is actually so important to – the kinds of people that are tuning into this podcast. So I hope everybody enjoyed that insight because I think it is really impacting the independent space. And thank you, Scott, for doing a, a digest of that. And I encourage people to go read your full article on hollywoodreporter.com, I am assuming. What are some other talking points you're hearing from the industry here during Berlin? Um, well, I mean, one of the things, and this was a, a, a couple of panels on Saturday that I didn't see, so I'll have to catch up on them. But the issue of AI, which, of course, has been a big talking point for a while, is really coming to a head now because of the release of this new video product that OpenAI released, uh, Sora, which uh, I've been discussing basically with anyone uh, in the business that I've seen in the last few days here. If you haven't seen it, check it out, this uh, Sora system producing text-based. You, you give it a command, and it will give you a video, hyper-realistic, incredible quality instantly. I was talking to a, uh, a German director a couple of days ago, and he was just showing you know me the, the, the Sora system on his phone um, and saying, like, that's it. You know, I don't – he was saying, 
I don't need actors. I could do, I don't need to, first he was saying, nice, I don't need to travel. I can, I can do a, a shot from this. I can just program in. But I said, oh, are you going to need actors? I said, no, I won't need actors. And then, of course, I told him, well, you probably won't even need directors, right? I'll, you'll just need a good writer. I said, yeah, that's actually the case. Um, the technology, um, we've always known that it's something was going to happen very disruptive with AI, and people were thinking it was going to be on the writer's side with these, these uh, writing programs that are so so active and so so powerful. Um, but I think on this side, the sort of video production side, given what these tech tools can do, I think they, they could just could theoretically completely transform the uh, the industry, um, theoretically also wiping out whole sections of it. Um, uh, and it's, yeah, it's both sort of terrifying, but also in some ways quite interesting and amazing because it does allow people to uh, do things uh, on an incredibly high level uh, uh, of technology with, with you know, with a very, very low cost, which could open up whole opportunities for um, people from poor areas of the world that don't have a strong established film industry or film infrastructure, um, individuals, younger people, people from disadvantaged communities and so forth. So I do see a, a, a potential upside for it, but I think it's going to be an incredibly disruptive element within the uh, film industry. And it's going to happen like now. It's, it's, it's you know, we're, by the time we talk in Cannes or whatever, uh, it'll be a whole new world already. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure of that. Yeah, and just a reminder, there have been so many talks about AI, including the three that you mentioned. Um, at the EFM. So I think I missed, I know I missed at least two of those. So I'm going to go back and watch them on catch up. I thought I was in my hotel room here in Berlin when I think it was on CNN that I saw the OpenAI Sora launch. And I was like, oh my gosh, did they time this for the Berlinale? Or it, it, it was mind blowing. So yeah, I think it's so topical that the EFM has really been having all these talks. We We, we definitely need them. Um, just curious in looking at that EFM schedule for, you know, for today or, or the the rest of the market, are there any other talks that either you're you're going to be listening into or, or ones you might recommend? I have to uh, admit, I don't have the schedule completely in my head. So it could be it's uh, one that's already happened and I'll have to watch on catch up. But in addition to the AY ones, which, of course, are incredibly uh, prescient, I'm really interested in the sort of greening of the industry. And there are a couple of sessions specifically on that. It's taken a while for sort of the film industry not to sort of get on board with environmental production, but to find sort of uh, workflows so it actually uh, can function um, within the structure of the industry. But that's starting to happen now, also because of certain regulations that are happening in Europe and, and, and elsewhere. Um, and so I, I'm really interested in that type of the, the practical implications or practical applications of, of green production. How does it actually look on uh, to, to, to make a sort of carbon neutral production? Um, and that's really starting to come. There's starting, starting to be some productions that are coming through like that. And there was a, a couple sessions um, on that um, uh, that, that I saw uh, in, in the market that I'm, that I'm really interested in. Interestingly, of course, these two are connected because some of these AI tools will be be used to not have to fly actors around to to maybe cut down on certain types of very high energy production and so forth. That you know could be a, a major benefit of, of of the AI technology, a really sort of greening benefit uh, for the business. Yeah, I was just thinking that it can kind of close that circle of what you're talking about with you know Sora. If you type in your script and it spits out your movie, I'm not suggesting anybody do that yet. But um, yeah, maybe the only carbon cost is running your server farm or something. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see yeah, the intersection of both those important topics and important changes in our industry. Um, Scott, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you, as I knew you would be really the guy who is knowing what people are talking about 
out there on the ground in Berlin. Thank you for joining us, and we're wishing you a great rest of the market. Thanks, Wendy. Always a pleasure. Sunday is certainly not a day of rest here at the EFM. So many great sessions happening again today. At 11.30, there is unlocking audiences and authentic representations accessibly, looking at perspectives on how ableism can be dismantled on and off screen and some positive steps we can all take to reach disabled audiences and support AV creations from authentic disabled perspectives. Very important. 3 to 4 p.m. sees the EFM Startups presentation. This is with Screen International in collaboration with Screen International. The 10 EFM Startups will pitch some really exciting new tools and solutions for our evolving industry. This is going to make you feel like you're seeing tomorrow today. So go have a look at what the startups are all about. At 3.30 in the Gropius Cinema, we have a two-part session. There's a panel on navigating filmmaking in emerging markets. And then there's a screening of five short films that have won the Nefty competition. And some of those emerging filmmakers will be present. At 4.45, there is Zones of Interest, Distribution Trends for Online Releases. It's a panel looking at how complex it is to navigate VOD right now. Find out if people are actually making money with their indie films online. Uh, hear a lot more about what's going on in the VOD market. And just also mention, there's another EFM Industry Insights long podcast released today. It's about macro trends of TV series, looking really at how the TV industry, we think we're at peak TV, how it's evolved in the past year. And this will get you all up and running and ready for the start of the Berlinale series market tomorrow at Cinemax. So lots to keep you busy today. Have a great day at the Berlinale and the EFM, and we'll be back tomorrow morning.